Good evening, sports world. What is happening? Chris Dell here from Go Baller FFS and the Family Feud Sports Podcast. Sitting here with none other than my co-host slash father, a.k.a. the godfather, Mr. Alan Dell, former NCAA Enterprise reporter and author of the award-winning NCAA investigative series that you did back a few years ago for the Bradenton Herald. Here to talk some college hoops and all things NCAA scandal, what the implications of the ongoing FBI investigation are from none other than the man himself, the godfather who's covered this story inside and out over the last decade. Mr. Allendale, we're going to jump into the off-the-court issues in the first half of this NCAA College Hoops podcast here on Go Baller FFS. You can tune in to Go Baller FFS all week for original podcasts where two lifelong sports writers, also father and son, intensely debate the week's hottest sports news. And without further ado, the ongoing investigation with the FBI into NCAA corruption, players getting played, coaches being indicted, titles being stripped. What are we all to make of this, Mr. Allendale, as this investigation continues into March Madness? Well, it bothers me. I'll start with as a Vietnam veteran, when I was sent to Vietnam, I was told we had to go to stop communism. Uh, because there was a so-called domino effect where communism, if it started in Vietnam or Korea or another Asian country, would spread, spread, spread until it reached the United States. But if we look at the NCA and their policies, they practice communism when it comes to the system of capitalism. They exploit workers, um, and we're talking mainly college, men's college basketball and major college football players. They make mil- billions of dollars, as I said before, major college football is a billion-dollar industry. Salaries for coaches, athletic directors who write bonuses in for themselves, and presidents and conference commissioners are soaring. And the only entity that doesn't get any money to share any of this is the players themselves who generate the money. So that's, that's extremely disturbing. Uh, we have no choice. I don't know why the FBI got involved. The only thing I can think of is about 10 years ago, Congress passed a law that made it illegal for agents to pay uh, college play- players money or give them gifts. And they also said if they did that, they had to tell them they would lose their eligibility. So I don't know if that's the reason the FBI uh, got involved. I, you would think that most FBI agents are respectable people. Maybe they don't understand how college sports works, how the players get exploited. Uh, I just don't understand why they they're basically have become the dirty doing the dirty work for the NCAA. Well, what what more can we expect now going over this next month? Do you do you expect more news or is it going to be all quiet until we're over with the final four and the NCAA championship next month? I mean, going into next month. I would think the NCAA doesn't want anything happening when the tournament starts. Well, you know, what would happen if a team reached the final four and its best player all of a sudden was declared ineligible, or the whole team was declared ineligible. So I, I, I would think they wouldn't want this. I, I even question how they felt about the investigation. Supposedly they, they didn't know about it. Uh, I mean, they have a good system going. There's the Underground Railroad, the Underground Payment System, where players get paid under the table. It's done in football. We all know that. It's done in basketball. And I think they like that. I think colleges like that because then they don't have to worry about Title IX and sharing monies. Well, with the female athletes, they don't have to worry about sharing money with the non-revenue sport athletes. So I would think the NCAA kind of liked the way things were going. They know, they know what's going on. They know about underground payments. Everyone knows that. It's been going on forever, going back almost 100 years. 
But what, but what should we expect to change? Because, look, the M- FBI investigation, it's all in the news, reports that Hall of Fame coaches are going to be indicted and stripped of their reputation, let alone titles that they want on the court with their players. But all we've heard is a few things from Louisville, which is an investigation that had already been ongoing before all the FBI talk, and then mentioned Sean Miller from Arizona, reportedly by ESPN, which sounds like shaky reporting yeah. at this point, saying that he was on the phone on an FBI, FBI wiretap that he was going to be paying DeAndre Ayton, what, $10,000 or $100,000. These guys are getting paid five, six figures, I mean, on a very common basis. And Sean Miller comes out the other day with full support of the Arizona staff and vehemently denies the allegation. So is anything actually actually going to happen here besides just the media going into a hoopla? Yeah, it sounds like there's some mistakes in that reporting uh I don't think Sean Miller would have a press conference backed by Arizona and deny everything if, if he did, didn't do it. Uh, I think there were some mistakes made in that. It sounds like uh, maybe they got the wrong person. Uh, something is, is not accurate, and ESPN hasn't said anything other than they stand by their reporting. What else can they say? But, uh, yeah, I, I, I question that. But, uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to bring up uh, Walter Byers. A lot of people might know, not know him. He's the man that ran the NCAA for almost – Almost 40 years, he may turn into a powerhouse, money monger, monger. And he admitted that the whole term amateurism was a fraud. It was just a camouflage to cover up uh, the economic advantages that the NCAA wanted to do. He admitted that after he left the NCAA in 1993 in his book. And I'm just going to quote from his book where he says, college amateurism is not a moral issue. It is an economic camouflage for monopoly practice, and that's basically what it is. The rich gets richer. I mean, you have these athletic directors writing uh, bonuses into their contracts if their team makes the, a ball game or, or the NCAA tournament, and it's absolutely ridiculous. Well, there's an interesting story uh, you know, by ESPN, a, a story that's factually reported, unlike the Sean Miller story, which seems kind of shaky at best at this point. But that you look at the salaries from these coaches. I mean, just in 2017 and 18 alone, there are 14 basketball coaches making at least $3 million. If you put that figure to just $1 million, there's reportedly over 65 coaches nationwide making over a $1 million in their salary. You talk about transfers. Players have to sit out a year. Coaches can just transfer and t- take the higher check wherever they go and still leave the other schools hanging with whatever they owe them on their current contracts. So it, it, it's corruption at its finest. The coaches and the executives, the guys in the suits are getting paid. The guys in the uniforms who are actually attracting the entertainment and the eyeballs when it comes to advertising and viewers, they're obviously getting the short end of the stick. I mean, Ed O'Bannon's a case that I've covered as a sports reporter over the years. Obviously, you're familiar with it and you're reporting on NCAA corruption. Is that something that's going to gain any ground because of all the new attention and spotlight being well, shown on this issue? Yeah, I, I think the, like I said, I think the NCA is kind of leery of this investigation because they start arresting coaches and so forth. It, it's just going to—they're going to get hammered, already getting hammered about well, the unfair laws. Well, especially not during March Madness, right? Because that's when they're supposed to make all their money in college basketball, at least. Yeah. And it's happened that way in football when they started the uh, the college football playoffs, the so-called Power Five conferences the commissioner's salaries are now uh averaging uh 2.58 million dollars or the total from the five uh conferences again that's mark emmert the ncaa president earns at least 1.9 million annually 
plus he gets a lot of bonuses. But that's another thing. I and I I, I can't forget uh, Shabazz Napier, former Player of the Year at University of Connecticut, yeah, NCAA champion and, and, right there, Shabazz he, Napier. Yeah. Now he went. To, he said he went to bed hungry every night because he didn't have enough food. He said he went to bed hungry the night they won the national title because he didn't have money for food. And if if somebody gave him money for food to go to McDonald's, it would be considered a violation. That's how ridiculous it is. So obviously trying to point the finger at the, at the players for being corrupt when obviously the system is broken and corrupt to say the very least. And we're going to jump into some more segments here talking about some things on the court. But just to kind of wrap up things off the court with the ongoing investigation, we talked about coaches making millions of dollars, Mark Emmert, all the NCAA executives making millions upon millions of dollars. And maybe we'll expect something from the NBA reportedly, Adam Silver sitting down, having quote-unquote listening tours, whatever that means, up to where they thinking about eliminating the one and done and not just eliminating it, but creating some type of the NBA's own farm system where they emotionally teach and mature these young guys and to get into the NBA. It sounds like another way to not pay an 18 year old money. If he deserves it. Well, you got to pay the kid. If you want the kid to go to the G league and not the college, then you need to pay him. That's that simple. Do you, do you expect anything coming from the NBA in the next year? I mean, Adam Silver's know, I, uh, that wasn't a move Adam Silver made. That was David Stern when he was still commissioner, but I mean, I, there was one rumor out. Well, they can come to G League, and if they don't, then they have to stay in college for two years. I, I don't, I don't like that. I mean, baseball. I like baseball's rule. If you go to a four-year college, you got to stay three. But if you go to a junior college, you can you can sign after any year. So why don't they do that for basketball? You go to a junior college. And then you can sign after a year, but they already got that. Well, everyone's chiming in and giving their they're giving their two cents on this issue, whether it's John Calipari saying players should get paid. I mean, he's already playing them. That's pretty much a given there. You got guys like Tubby Smith recently on the news saying that players shouldn't even be allowed to transfer. I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous. The fact that coaches can just get up and leave whenever they not whenever they want without any penalty. And we'll be right back here on Go Baller FFS with some NCAA talk on our NCAA College Hoops Insider out every Monday. We appreciate your ear. Sports World, thanks for Tune in. We'll be right back. Welcome back here, Sports World, to Go Baller FFS, where two lifelong sports writers, also father and son, intensely debate the week's hottest sports news. Welcome to our weekly NCAA College Hoops Monday Insider. I'm your host, Chris Dell, the mad journalist, sitting here with my co-host slash father, a.k.a. the godfather, Mr. Alan Dell, former NCAA investigative reporter, publisher of your own six-part NCAA investigative scandal series, with the Bradenton Herald here in Southwest Florida. And Mr. Allendale, we talked a lot about what the implications are, what to expect, what should be done. In your mind, someone who's followed the sport, someone who's covered the sport as a journalist, how should these players be paid in terms of what sport versus another sport, men versus women? You mentioned Title IX, the last one. What should be done? How should it be done, in your opinion, based off all the solutions being thrown out there in the media and everyone else talking about college basketball right now or college sports in general? Well, one thing they can do is allow the athletes to earn money off of their name. That, 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 that wouldn't cost the schools anything if, a, if a, they're selling their jerseys, even though they don't have their name on it, but their number's on and people and kids, they identify with a certain player. Let them make money off of their name. If they want to go to speak somewhere, they should be allowed to do that if they want to promote a certain product. But the NCAA won't allow that for athletes. They will if you if you play in the band 
or you do a scholar or something to that effect, you, you can earn money, but you can't as, as an athlete. It goes back to protecting themselves, keeping money down, because they, you know, they're figuring, well, wait a minute, if a kid goes to school A and they have all these gifts, these propositions that can give them these opportunities, that means we're going to have to come up with these advertising opportunities too, and we don't want to do that. So that I, I would assume that's the reason they don't do it. But that, that would solve a lot of problems. I would think you wouldn't even have to worry about Title IX if you're not paying them. Okay, anybody, any athlete in any sport, male, female, can sell their name if the opportunity comes around. And that, that should be allowed w without question. And there's also a, a thing in there when you sign a letter of intent where, and Oscar Robertson was part of this lawsuit where, where the, the school owned the player's name for the rest of, of his or her life, even if they... 40 years out after graduation. So that, that, sound, that sounds criminal, to, to, to say the least, right there. And, and I mean, people are talking about, oh, people, uh, players should get a share of the TV revenue. They should get a stipend. They should, I, I totally agree with you, being, being able to sell their, themselves, their own brand, their own name, their own identity. If you have an all-star athlete, let's just say Marvin Bagley, who's considered for national player of the year who is ACC player of the year he's going to be maybe the number one or at least a top five draft pick in this coming year in this coming summer's NBA draft and what about this guy I mean he, he's his jersey is being bought in droves on the Duke University campus and nationwide for that matter this guy's not going to collect a single cent I mean look I know he's going to get the multi-million dollar NBA contract when he gets there what if something happens to him before then I mean you covered some I mean, dare I say horror stories in your investigative series that you published for the Brayden and Herald on NCAA corruption and guys that um, it, it's just sad. I mean, maybe you could tell us a, a story or two about some guys that have royally been screwed by the NCAA that can kind of tie us in and put it, put it in perspective here. Well, the saddest story I came across was Curtis Williams, a linebacker at the University of Washington, who in 2002 uh, broke his neck in a game and became paralyzed uh, and then he eventually died and his insurance policy ran out so the family did not have the money to pay for his funeral they had to raise money and I thought that was terrible and, and the president uh, well Mark Emmerich eventually became president of the University of Washington but no one at Washington did anything you would think the school would come up with the money to pay for the funeral of Curtis Williams if the insurance policy ran out, but that didn't happen. That's just one case. Uh, and you talked to members of his family for this story, or no, I mean, what, no, what, what no. was your? This was one one story of many that you wrote for your series, or gave you uh, some little background story, on that. Uh, you know, some I mean, you had some other interesting stories to tell as well, right? Yeah, there there was a player who that we know was from Southwest Florida, uh, unfortunately passed away. Uh, that, uh, that Hiawatha Rutland yeah. from Iowa State. Yeah, he played for Iowa State. He had a really serious uh, foot injury, drop foot, and he couldn't get the, the medical attention that he felt he needed because the school said it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't, or it wasn't approved. What he needed to do, the procedure he needed to do, wasn't approved, and, and he wouldn't do it. I, I've talked to some other players. Uh, without getting into names and stuff, One, there was a girl who, who injured her knee and they wouldn't pay for her uh, surgery unless she agreed to come back to the school. So, I mean, there's all kinds of things where uh, the medical uh, medical insurance just isn't covered. Well, uh, you know, just bringing it back to what makes it relevant with the lawsuit that's been going on for quite a while now. I mean, I want to say almost a decade at O'Bannon 
and former UC, UCLA player, uh, also a former NBA player, a guy who made his money but is trying to vouch and, and validate for these young guys in college right now and for former NCAA players to get their fair share. I mean, he's not, when you look at it and you break it down, what he's asking for in the lawsuit, he's just wanting players to get a couple hundred, a couple thousand bucks, divvy it up amongst every single sport, men and women. There's some people who argue that only the football and basketball players should get paid because they're the ones who are getting the TV viewers and the ad dollars and the TV deals and all that good stuff. That's where the bulk of the money is here. And we're talking about college athletics and the NCAA. Is there one solution? Is People say, oh, well, there's enough smart people at the NCAA to come up with something. Is, is it that simple? Or what, what would have to happen for there to be changes made? Well, I, I think the greed would have to stop. The greed on the part of the people in the NCAA with power. The coaches the athletic directors and the presidents. I remember reading about a president who said, yeah, well, it's good for us. If coach and athletic directors get more money, it trickles down to us. So we're okay with that. But that, that's where it would stop would be the greed. Why does an athletic director, I mean, do you realize he's writing in his own contract bonuses if, if his school makes it to a bowl game or the NCAA tournament? And that's ludicrous to me. So that would save a lot of money. That would free up a lot of money if they did away with these bonuses for other kids. Um, there's different ways you can do it. As I said, you can let them sell, get money off of their name. You, if you're going to start paying, you could start with, okay, let's just pay the people who are participating in the revenue sports. That's how it could start. Well, let me just flip it on you here. And What about the pundits or the critics who say that, well, these players are getting an education. Well, they're getting a free education. They're, they're getting free gear. They, they, they get fed free meals by the team. They, they get the college experience at no cost. I mean, do they have an argument? Is that, is that well, a realistic they, they, argument they, in 2018? Not, that's not true at no cost because it was proven that the full scholarship, and I put the word full in quotes, didn't cover cost of attendance. They finally changed that. Some schools are now paying additional money as a stipend for cost of attendance. So, But you got to look at the, the NCAA today isn't what it was like 50 40 30 years ago it's a college football is a billion dollar industry so to argue that uh a, a full scholarship covers that is just, just ludicrous i mean it doesn't cost the school anything to put a body into a chair and in a room uh, and most of these guys aren't even i mean i'm not gonna say most but a lot of these guys aren't going to class they, they have they have off-campus tutors or they're taking online classes obviously trying to lighten the load a little bit but it's a full-time job being a full-time college student when you're trying to get good grades it's obviously a full-time job to play full-time athletics right so yeah, yeah. people argue that these players these, these quote-unquote student athletes a term that the ncaa created uh that that they're working full-time jobs and and, and not getting paid for either you know, you could argue. So there's yeah. definitely a lot to be said for that. Well, you got to do what NBA needs to do with the one and done. That's that's not fair. That creates a problem, and that's not the NCAA that does that. And also college uh, and the NFL. You can't you can't sign with the NFL team until three years out of, out of high school. So like you you're, you have a, the college football presents a, a free farm system for the NFL. Well, is the FBI investigation if there if anything else comes out, it doesn't sound like much has come out yet. If there is anything, uh, unless it's just a bunch of media hype, but it, is there going to be one major indictment that's just going to shake up the landscape, or is this going to just continue to play out slowly over time, over the next decade even? I think it's mainly going to be about college basketball because football, there, there there's not not a. Adidas agents, so to speak, 
there's we know that in football booster clubs at different schools pay players the booster clubs they really know how to work the system they're not agents so to speak so uh, right i don't think that's gonna i think basketball is the one that's gonna get hit the hardest and uh, i don't know I, like i said i'm not sure if the nca is really happy about this getting out in the public because if they start the fbi starts arresting incarcerating coaches and agents, well, it's going to really come out. They're going to, NCAA is going to get pounded for all the stuff it does in regards to money. How they hoard the money, don't pay the players. Well, only time will tell, and we'll see what happens. You heard it here first, folks. Breakdown of the NCAA ongoing FBI investigation from the Godfather himself, Mr. Allen Dell. We'll be right back with the final segment of our NCAA College Hoops Insider Podcast. We'll be right back. And we are back here, Sports World on Gold Baller FFS, the final segment of our weekly NCAA College Hoops Insider. I'm your host, Chris Dell, the mad journalist, sitting here with the godfather, Mr. Alan Dell, and jumping into some on-the-court hoops because isn't that what March Madness is all about? And we had a lot of college conference championship games going on this week. Selection Sunday is just a handful of days away here. We got the new AP poll and new college rankings being released today as well. The Virginia Cavaliers, no, not the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Virginia Cavaliers sitting there unanimous, number one in the country, 28-2 and two record, all 65 first place votes in the AP top 25 poll we got some shakeups in the in the top 10 michigan state obviously losing in the big 10 semifinals they fall to fourth overall followed by duke gonzaga and michigan the new big 10 champions which jumped eight spots to number seven after beating both michigan state and purdue to win their second straight big 10 tournament title shout out to my boy coach baleen over there i like these wolverines they've won nine games in a row it's their highest ap top 25 ranking since hitting number seven in 2013-14 so without further ado jumping into this on the court you look at the top five overall we got virginia number two villanova number three xavier four michigan state five duke well one of those five teams win the NCAA championship, Mr. Allen Dell, what say you? Well, I think it's a wide open field. This is the most wide open field I've seen in a long time, maybe more than 10 years. Uh, anyone can win it. Don't be surprised if, if none of them make the final four. That's how open I see it. Cause nobody, there is not a dominant team in college basketball this year. Right. I mean, you look at the rest of the top 10, Gonzaga sitting there at number six, Bulldogs playing in their conference tournament at the moment. We mentioned Michigan at number seven, Cincinnati, the Bearcats sitting there at number eight, Kansas, number nine, Purdue, number 10. And Purdue's a team that's been up near, near the top two or three earlier in the season as well. They got the, the big senator boy over there. I mean, it, could, could it be one of these teams that's ranked 11 through 25th? Could it be an unranked team that gets to the Final Four and wins a championship? Is this the most parity you've ever seen in yeah, going into March Madness? It could be any any team. Even some of the teams that are not getting votes, you could say, have potential right. to make the Final Four. Uh, Kentucky, definitely disappointing season, but definitely has the potential to make it. Uh, Florida, well, Florida moved into 23 after beating Kentucky, so they're, they're a possibility. But there's other, but look at Virginia Tech. They've had some big upsets right. this year. So I mean, I, like I, Kentucky, what about the Wildcats? That's what I said, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, so. they look at the SEC, and then not talk, not to mention Auburn there, sitting there, Coach Bruce Pearl, getting their first, well, one of their first ever conference tournament titles, or conference uh, titles, actually, excuse me, and him giving a shout-out to former Auburn great Charles Barkley. So the Auburn Tigers could be making some noise in this year's tournament. Clemson, a team from the ACC that was ranked higher in the year, now they're at number 19 overall. 
You got a team like Arizona with DeAndre Ayton. Could be the player. It sounds like he's going to be the player of the year. The guy, the guy in the infamous Sean Miller wiretap from the FBI. So, I mean, Arizona's a team that could wind up doing some damage, especially with the, uh, the controversy right now. Maybe they got a little extra chip on their shoulder right now to prove people wrong. Arizona Wildcats sitting there number 15 overall in the country right now. So. Except Sean Miller has never made it to a Final Four, and he's received a lot of criticism for that because he's had some really good teams. He's really good at paying players and recruiting. I don't know about winning tournament games. Let's, let's just say that. Uh, I mean, he, former Xavier coach right there. Your boy Chris Max done a much better job at Xavier getting that team far into the tournament necessarily than just being ranked i mean but obviously you can't hate on xavier ranked number three overall in the country i like that team a lot i think they could really go deep i I was talking about the rhode island rams in our in our podcast two weeks ago as being a potential sleeper team they were ranked a lot higher now they've dropped all the way down to 25 some tough losses in atlantic 10 and atlantic uh 10 play for them so some of these teams that we were talking about as being underdogs and sleeper candidates just a few weeks ago looking kind of rough right now. It's going to be interesting to see which teams get in and which teams don't because there's quite a few teams that are going to be right on the bubble there going into this. So whether you're watching Joe Lenardi on ESPN or CBS break it down, we're going to be here to talk th- to talk all things college hoops and NCAA every single Monday here on Go Baller FFS. What's the one thing you're looking forward to most heading into Selection Sunday, Mr. Allen Dell? Well, you're looking to see who are going to be the top four seeds. Uh, that Everybody's talking Virginia. What happens if they get upset in the ACC tournament? Everybody's talking Villanova. they got to go through the Big East, which is tough. People are talking Duke. Well, uh, people are saying that the Big East could have two number one seeds with Villanova and Xavier. I mean, if you took the top four yeah. from the AP Top 25 right now, that's what you get. Yeah, let's not forget about Kansas. Michigan State, uh, Tom Izzo. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see Michigan State get that. Xavier is what I see as probably the most overrated team, so. 27-4, 27-4, and four, the Xavier Musketeers sitting there. Talk about a shout-out to Cincinnati College Basketball. The Cincinnati Bearcats, another team I think is going to yeah. make a deep run, also 27-4 and four right yeah, there. Yeah, Mike Cronin won his first uh, regular season championship since, since he's been in Cincinnati. They play tough defense. They grind it out. They played. They beat a good uh, Wichita State team. Don't overlook them. They've been there before, Final Four, so... It's like I said, it's a wide open field. I, I like West Virginia. Who knows the way they play defense? If they get on a roll, they they can do something. And you mentioned Virginia but, Tech. I mean, Virginia Tech's beaten some great teams, not to mention Duke and North Carolina, right? I mean, look at the top five teams not receiving votes in the AP Top Twenty Five poll. St. Bonaventure, which just throttled Rhode Island. So that could be a sleeper team going to the tournament. I love me some A-10 basketball. Kentucky Wildcats, obviously, with the pedigree and the experience. Coach Calipari. TCU, Loyola, Chicago, which won their conference tournament. So they're going to be getting an automatic bid. And then Virginia Tech there. I mean, so there's some darn good teams in the NCAA right now. I think once you get outside that top five, six, seven, maybe once you go past Michigan, uh, Cincinnati, and Kansas, and maybe after the top ten, that it's a complete toss-up between number 11 to 30. I mean, there's a lot of good teams right now, and I don't know how much the conference tournaments are going to tell us about which teams can go deep. I think it's going to be a real toss-up. This this could really, I know we say it every year, but this legit could be the hardest bracket you've ever had to fill out in your life. So the, the one who picks their favorite mascots most likely to win your yeah. pool this year. Hey, could 
could this be the first year that a number 16 seed beats a number one? It could... Oh, man, I would and love I, to see that. And, and I, my prediction is if a number one goes down, it's going to be Xavier. <laughs> oh, man. And Xavier's used to being the one that's the underdog, but not so much this year. That scares me with those types of teams right there when they become the favorites so quickly. Um, you know, moving on to something not so exciting, but the NIT experimenting with new rules this season. Four rule changes for this year's NIT. Obviously, the, the teams that don't make the NCAA tournament, the next set, next 32 teams, they go to the NIT tournament. So there's going to be a wider free throw lane extended from 12 to 16 feet, which is used in the NBA. There's going to be four quarters, four 10-minute quarters, not two 20-minute halves. After an offensive rebound, the shot clock will reset to 20 seconds as opposed to the full 30. Like and not that. to mention your favorite rule, extending the three-point line in college basketball will be moved back 20 inches. That's almost three feet. It's going to be moved back to the distance used by FIBA in international competition, which is 22 feet and 1.75 inches. Mr. Allen Dell, you're going to be watching some NIT basketball. These guys jacking it up from downtown, man. Yeah, I think they ought to move it back even more. I like that rule. I like the rule that an offensive rebound, you only get 20 seconds to shoot, too. 30 seconds is too long. You don't need it. Uh, I mean, at some point, you think they're going to change the shot clock back to the NBA with 24 seconds there, but... Um, overall, I mean, deeper three-point line, I think it's going to make for – change is always exciting, at least in basketball. You talk about now whether it's in the NCAA, whether it's in the NBA with all the all-star changes they had over the break. And we're going to get into some more NBA talk tomorrow on our Go Baller FFS triple-double podcast, breaking down three hot topics, five minutes each on our weekly podcast. We're back here on Go Baller FFS. We appreciate you tuning in to our NCAA College Hoops Insider Podcast, whether you're listening here on Anchor, iTunes, or Google Play. We greatly appreciate your ear. I'm your host, Chris Dell, the Mad Journalist. You can find me at M-A-D-D Journalist on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or LinkedIn if you are so inclined. You can find the godfather, Mr. Alan Dell, at Adell Sports on Twitter. That's A-D-E-L-L Sports. On Twitter, Mr. Allendale, what, what are you going to sign us off here, man? A, a nice talk about things on and off the court in college basketball. What, 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 can, what can the sports world take home with them before next week? Stay away from Xavier if you're going to bet the NCAA tournament. Well, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay away from Mark Emmert, man. I don't want him taking my money. I want to sell my jerseys, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, you heard it here first, folks, from the Godfather himself. I'm your host, Chris Dell, the Mad Journalist. We appreciate you listening. Go Baller FFS. Signing out. Peace out.